Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Formula for Success in association with F1 Manager 2023. I'm Eddie Jordan, and with me is our old sparring partner, David Coulthard, and he has just come back from Ibiza and Las Vegas, so good Lord. He has four limbs in exactly the same places they were before, but I'm not sure about the rest of them, so let us, let us hear what went on. Well, that's very kind. What an introduction. I've missed you, EJ. I've been in Ibiza, which was very nice. I was in a boat with some friends. Beautiful island, as you know. Uh, and then Vegas, I was there because when the Grand Prix happens in November, uh, I have another business, as you know, called There's Velocity. Several other businesses. Several other businesses. Anyway, Velocity is... All conflicting with each other. They are indeed. <laughs> it's wonderful. But we are uh, hosting at the Dre's nightclub, and we're calling it Vista Las Vegas, uh, mm-hmm. and we're partnering with McLaren. And uh, we are going to have a thousand people well entertained overlooking the strip just opposite the Bellagio. So if you're out there, EJ, I know you're going to want me to comp you some tickets. And as you're my buddy, then uh, I'll, I'll do a discount for you. I might need you to comp me a bit more than tickets. I think a bit of folding would be required in <laughs> my case. You know I do nothing for nothing. Well, if you bring the band... If you, if you bring Luca and the boys, then uh, we've got we'll a great have to have stage. We'll have a chat about that later, David. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I'm back to a beater. Now, can I ask you an honest question? Because uh, I'm in a different age bracket to you, but in your 50s, a beater sort of, you should have grown out of there by now. Yeah, well, look, I wasn't in Manu Mission or, you know, any of the big clubs or, you know, Pasha really? or anything like that. I did go to Ashwaya. I kind of stood there slightly bemused as everyone's going crazy for the guy pressing play on the decks and waving his arms. It it, it is the most bizarre. Like, you know, don't get me wrong, of course, music producers. So if a DJ is making the music, creating the, 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 the content, then I totally get that. But if you're actually just playing someone else's content, I'd rather see a live band. Well, when you think about what you saw and then our last show when we talked about uh, Nick Mason and and the Floyd, I mean, that's chalk and cheese. Now, I know which one I'd prefer. Now, what I'm going to ask you is a fair question. As a grandfather, I'm asking you this. What was the latest time you were in bed on each of those particular nights that you were in Ibiza? And what was the earliest night you were in bed? I'm sure the the listeners will be really pleased to hear what's going to happen here. <laughs> well, look, I was never in bed the same day as I woke up because it's Ibiza. <laughs> God, I think almost sunrise. But when you're with friends and you're hanging out, who's looking at well, the where clock? Are you getting the, where are you getting the... You, you look so good, David. You must be in training for all of this. Carry on. 
Well, look, I, I try and take care of myself. No, EJ, I don't you know. believe I've always been careful <laughs> That's with why what I don't I go eat. out at night with you. Yeah, yeah well, no, no, at nighttime I don't take care of myself. But anyway, the rest of the time I'm pretty sensible. Ah, so where do we go from here? Well, look, it's been a couple of weeks, isn't it? So I think it's time for you to tell us a bit of a celebrity story before we get into doing some of our well, listening listeners' questions. Well, just before you do that, I think I should say where I've been. I oh, mean, yeah, sorry, I didn't show an interest I mean, in you your vacation. you have no interest in me, have well, you? Well, no, I, I, look, I Your mind you, was in Ibiza. Well, it was. Uh, you took me back to a happy place. But yeah, <laughs> what, what have you been up to? Have you been on some health well, farm? Well, um, I decided after my fulfillment with all the kids in July, I went off with Marie on the boat um, to Kefalonia and Levkas and all of those Ionian islands. And quite honestly, it was magic. And everyone talks about how busy August can be. But this was bliss because there was not that many people around. Now, I don't know whether that's a sign of the times that people just don't have the same spendable money that they used to have. Um, but uh, I'm not getting into that particular part of the story just to say that it was magic. Absolutely bliss. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to pretend I know where any of those places are. So, can you give me a? Well, give me a clue? if you if you if you're in Bari in, in Sicily and you come up the coast as if you were going to Croatia, on your right hand side is a certain amount of Greek islands, and they are the west side of Greece, the Ionian Islands. Well worth a trip. If you've never been, you, you're not going to believe it. The food, the water, the cleanliness of the place. It's just a really nice place to chill. But I would put it off for the next 25 years, David. When you catch up with me in the, in the age bracket, uh, then that's the time for you to get there. Because I was in bed most nights by 9, 9.30, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I can't imagine you tucked uh, up in bed that early. Well, I promise you I do, but I do get up at half six. All right. Well, good. Moving on then. Um, who's, your, who's your celebrity story this week? Well... This is a particular honour and a privilege because this is a person who... I was watching the football yesterday, for example, um, Liverpool and, and Chelsea, and there were six yellow cards. And this particular person we're going to speak about played not alone in games all over the world, including Barcelona and everywhere else. He played over 500 times. He played for England 80 times. He scored goals, 48 of them for England. An absolute champion. He was the, the main scorer at the World Cup. His name is none other than a person that we all worked with at BBC, Gary Lineker. Yeah, legend. Absolute legend. And, and sometimes when we think about it, I love longevity as well. He's been at uh, Match of the Day since, I think, 99 when we were there doing, uh, in my case, Top Gear. And in both our cases, uh, the Formula One program, uh, Gary was still there and he is still top of the shop. And uh, I know he's had his ups and downs with BBC, like indeed we had, I suppose. Um, nevertheless, Gary has stood the test of time and he's still there. He's an absolute genius. But my story is about this. Um, he had a son called George. He had four sons. And um, George uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. And at that stage, Marie and I were patrons of Click, which is cancer leukemia in children. And um, I, we came to know him mainly through Paul McGinley, who was his neighbor. And uh, at that stage, uh, I was doing some pro-celebrity golf days at Sunningdale and um, horse racing in, in Windsor in the evening time, which the Rubens brothers helped me to get that venue. And um, I, I mentioned to Gary, would he like to come along and throw his support and maybe awareness? And he did. And, and, and through Gary, of course, a lot of different people came, people like Darren Clark, Justin Rose, uh, Lee Westwood, all brilliant people. Kevin Peterson from the cricket world, but also Johnny Martin, Frankie Dettori, Richard Hannan, and Richard Hughes. All of the people came willingly because uh, I think it was a very strong message. His son wasn't well, uh, but was recovering. So full marks um, to 
Gary Lineker, because behind what you see on Match of the Day is a real top, top bloke. Yeah. The best. And um, I think we're very lucky because, David, I have a little note here from Gary. Uh, Gary is such a, an absolute gentleman. He spared some time on his holiday before the Premier League starts again. And he's a busy, busy boy. And uh, let's hear from him now. Hi, guys. Uh, yes, they were amazing times, weren't they, with the foundation uh, for Click. Uh, so many wonderful golf days at Sunningdale and uh, evenings, of course, at Windsor Races uh, with lots of support from sporting heroes to help uh, raise money for, for the charity. Um, my son, George, who had leukaemia, of course, uh, is almost uh, 32 years old now. He's, he's doing brilliantly. We need to keep going, keep raising awareness, keep raising funds to ensure that we have more happy endings and fewer sad ones. Cheers, guys. What a lovely note. Well, there you go. Um, and some people don't necessarily see that. Uh, the guy is an out-and-out genius, both on the field, off the field, and uh, incidentally, David, I have a story for you. You keep telling everybody that I shared a bed with you, but I shared a bed with <laughs> Gary Lineker. Oh, really? <laughs> I shared I you were cheating on me. <laughs> but I did have a little bonus and an extra. We also uh, had a bonus. You said there. You did say bonus. <laughs> I said yeah. bonus. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the bonus was Jody Kidd. We did it. We did but a photo shoot. In the bed. So there was uh, there was three in the bed. Now it was, n- was not that kind of your kind of party. It wasn't Ibiza style. It was actually charity style. So Jody Kidd, Gary Lineker, and I did a photo shoot in a bed in Silverstone uh, or no it's not it wasn't in, in um, Sunningdale and it was a, a very funny situation but it was a great way of getting awareness of the charity across to the media and um, so you're not the only one who shared time in the bed with me well I can only imagine you suggested that to the photographer that getting in bed with Gary well, and it wasn't a lot to do with Gary it was mainly to do <laughs> with Jody but she's about three foot taller than me so I don't think you or me could cope with all of that yeah actually we should get uh, Jody on the on the show because she's a big car fan a big um, car fan you know a, a, a good driver as, as well absolutely to, to so, and, uh, yeah lovely and, lovely and a huge enthusiast and we talked about in the show isn't it great that these girls you know you talked about um, uh, Nick Mason last week and um, Nettie which you mentioned um, she's a hell of a good driver. And, of course, Nikki's daughter, Chloe. I mean, it's just nice to see these girls coming out up front and going. And my one regret, and I think it's probably your regret, that in our time uh, we haven't seen a really top-class current uh, Formula One lady driver. Yeah, but that's going to change. You know, and you know, I've certainly been promoting and supporting women in motorsport as much as I can in the memory of my sister, Lindsay. She was a very talented racer, but never got the same support that I did. And uh, yeah, as I say, she passed away nine years ago now, but in her memory, I want to try and, and help young girls in karting develop their skills and get the sort of Max Verstappen treatment or the Lewis Hamilton treatment where they're really supported all the way through because physically there's no reason why uh, women cannot compete with men in, in motor racing because it's obviously we don't have the same uh, physical uh, restrictions that would be in boxing or sprinting yeah, or sure. all, the, all those sorts of things. So anyway, I think in our lifetime we might see. Should we take some of our listeners' questions? Because it's been a wee while and I think we're going to kick off here with a guy called Niall 
Tobin. And Niall has asked, uh, well, he's actually stated, my uncle Kenny Graham is a massive uh, DC fan. Oh, well, I'm sorry God. for him. Uh, he used to draw pictures of my cars, apparently. Oh, my God. And he religiously attended the British Grand Prix. He used to tell Niall uh, stories uh, on the way to work when he was an apprentice mechanic, uh, especially about the after parties. Now, he's recalling a story here which absolutely happened. Um, it was Norbert Haug drinking Finlandia vodka, other vodkas are available, of course, from an ice sculpture fountain in the shape of a woman following my British Grand Prix victory. And there was another story about me wearing salt air boxer shorts um, and doing a streak at one of my after parties. So the question he has for both of us is, uh, what is the best F1 after party that you have attended? Well, first I must tell you, Norbert Haug, um, we do miss him in the Formula One bad because in Mercedes' time he was a legend for parties and he was a great rock and roller. He was the guy who used to bring my band to Hockenheim and to Nürburgring, so he's a guy who's a real star. Um, and I'm not surprised that you used to hang out with him because um, uh, he likes to get a few beers down as well as the, uh, the vodka. But nevertheless, after parties, I'd have to say the early days of the after parties was I absolutely loved the rock and roll band on the back of that flatbed uh, at the British Grand Prix. That was uh, synonymous and, and became really popular. And we now know what, you know, we saw Calvin Harris and we saw the Black Eyed Peas. We even saw ourselves doing a podcast there. So it, it's emerged and grown into something really, really popular and, and fantastic. However, I do feel... Monaco, as we're sitting here, uh, by the way, courtesy of Riviera Radio and well done, Paul Kavner, fellow Irishman who runs and owns this place. Thank you for your hospitality here. I, I'm sure DC will pay you handsomely, uh, <laughs> but I'd be waiting if I were you, Paul. It, it could take an awful long time for him to pay that. Well, anyway. I, I did just on that. I did, <laughs> I did a sound ident when I was a Formula One driver because uh, Riviera Radio used to come into the paddock and interview. Yeah. And they asked me to say, hi, it's David Coulthard and you're listening to Riviera Radio. But I, I couldn't say it the first time, Riviera, and I said it wrong. And they used to play that out <laughs> around Grand Prix time, me going, Riviera. Make, make, make you look even a bigger <laughs> dick than you yeah, already yeah, are. exactly. <laughs> but anyway, right, on you go with your, uh, your, your, your you've sort of got off well, track I'd, there. I think if you're talking about complete madness, and I'm, I'm sure uh, is talking about complete madness, um, the after party after Monaco in Anjuna, uh, where the robbers play and, and you behave very badly. And another person who behaves bad, badly is da Daniel Ricciardo. I don't know what it is between <laughs> you two when you set up with each other. It seems to go from bad to worse. Um, I suppose if I was to answer your question, there are many after parties. Singapore has always had a great party. It depends on the time scale of the races. So it's convenient that everyone is here because Monday is a bank holiday everywhere when it's at Grand Prix in Monaco. Um, so it's easy to go to Anjuna. We flood the place and it's become really popular. That is a great party, actually. I behave myself all during uh, the Monaco Grand Prix weekend because I'm busy and working a lot. You know, back to my apartment and off to bed as soon as I can, uh, because it's a bit of an endurance weekend, isn't it, Monaco? But then I'm one of the first at Anjuna on the Monday. I'm usually there at midday. I like to see the party build. Well, you know, for those people who like a bottle of wine, then other people who like um, a, a Magnum, but then there are other idiots who like uh, Methuselahs and such things. And you always seem to go for the biggest and the best. Ah, I've, yeah, the bigger the bottle. Uh, how do you get through the bottle? 
With well, great ease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with great pleasure. Someone's taken the taken the time to, you know, plant the vine and, you know, squeeze the grapes through their toes or however they actually make the wine. So I, just, you know, I can only help them by making sure I finish it all. But anyway, I'm sure he doesn't want to hear any more about after parties because we could be here an awful long time and uh, a lot of people would be embarrassed if we started a name drop who goes to these parties. Yeah, right. Sorry, Daniel, I, I, I took your name out of, out of context and I shouldn't, uh, but you are a great party goer and we all love your smile and we're glad to see you <laughs> back in Formula One. Yeah, indeed. Daniel Ricciardo doing a... Great job on his comeback and uh, curious to know where his future will take him. Right, we've got another question here. Um, it's uh, from uh, Sarah McKinney and she's um, wanting to know about the rumours regarding Lando Norris's future and uh, the rumour being that, of course, he, he won't stay with McLaren. Well, if I kick off on that before you give me your thoughts, EJ, I, I, I think actually McLaren have turned the corner. Absolutely. I think that they're coming good again. And yes, he did commit a multi-year contract to them. He would be an asset for any Formula One team. So I'm sure uh, all of the other top teams are, are well aware of what his contractual terms are. But if they keep going the way they're going right now, then I see Lando winning Grand Prix at McLaren. Hmm. Winning Grand Prix at McLaren. First, they have to overcome Red Bull. And uh, the next biggest hurdle after that is the likes of... Max Verstappen, which is not going to be an easy task. I've never, uh, we've talked about this recently. Um, he's fast emerging to be uh, the greatest driver of all time. I, I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, or certainly what's going on at the moment is, is simply spectacular. Uh, he's very together. And uh, obviously we wish him uh, wealth and health and everything to do his future career. Um, but I think in five years' time, if, if the good Lord spares us, we'd be saying, my God, we lived through Max Verstappen. Wasn't that the most amazing years of all time? Uh, and that's where I, I feel. Back to, to Lando. Um, I have to say that um, he has surprised me in so far as that I think, uh, and the car in particular, McLaren. I've been very critical of McLaren in the past, uh, not just the way they, they uh, left Honda, but also the Alonso affair. Uh, so full marks to them. Uh, that's what I love to see, somebody who can actually get a grip of something, see where the errors are, see where the problems are, uh, and emerge at the other end. And, and McLaren have made the right choice. I think they're going to have a stellar, and we'll probably talk about what do we see in the future for the remainder of the year. I, mean, I think McLaren are going to be very strong. And it, it, it's intrigued me. I'm trying to see, are they too far back? Are they able to, to match up with Mercedes or uh, indeed, you know, Aston Martin? Are they able to catch up that point deficit? to make sure that they can finish second in the championship. And my gut feeling is no. However, I am super impressed with Lando's teammate. And well done, Mark Webber, for bringing that guy. Yeah, Oscar uh, Piastri is um, doing Oscar a great debut remarkable. season. remarkable. So that's a lovely team. If I was to put my wish and my wish list, I would want those two drivers to stay there, combine, grow, create the foundation that makes great teams because they are all together in this, and I think the future is very bright for both of them. Please, Lando, my wish to you is stay where you are. You're not going to find much better.
Okay, well, let's wait and see what the future brings for him. Um, we've got another one here from Rhys Bithel, and uh, I hadn't realised it was Nigel Mansell's 70th birthday, but uh, so this this gentleman's uh, wanting to ask a Nigel Mansell-related question to celebrate that, so happy birthday, Nigel. Yeah, happy um, birthday, Nigel. Now, the question to you is, what happened with Nigel potentially driving for Jordan in 1997? Uh, how did that partnership start and why didn't we get to see him on the grid with you? I forgot he did a test with you. Yeah, was it Barcelona? Uh, it was Barcelona. And um, look, I've known Nigel a very long time. When I was living in, 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 in Silverstone at my very young age, when I came to, to England trying to find my fame and fortune, um, I was more attracted to, to, um, to Birmingham than to London. London was too big for me. So Birmingham was fine and it was UB40. There was all these great bands there. So I loved that. And, and Nigel, of course, was from close by, Edgbaston. And um, uh, Nigel and I became reasonably friendly um, through Formula Ford in 77, 78. 79, he drove for Dave Price with Brett Riley in Formula 3 in the Unipar team. And, um, you know, it was surprising. He didn't even come close to winning the championship. And uh, But he had one thing about Nigel Mansell, and I'm sure the listeners are aware of this. I have never met a person with more total and absolute belief in their own ability uh, than him because it was never really matched by the amount of talent or I could never see the talent so in other words when he went to Lotus that time Colin Chapman thought he was the greatest thing on earth so I can't imagine what Nigel had said to him but whatever it did it worked and then he got in and you know Nigel was I don't want to call him a bull but he was tough he when I say he was a bull he didn't seem to have a neck because his head just seemed to sit on top (laughs) of his shoulders it was at the time when it was really hard for the g-forces and you know very well about the neck and the g-forces and you know you you talked about not being able to do a lap now and your neck would fall off. This was very tough in those days. So Nigel Mansell, he had a lot of personal inner belief. And if people, and it's a great message for the listeners, that if you can find that inner belief, I'm talking about 100%. In Nigel's case, it was probably about 200%. But he always believed in himself more than anything else. And I think that's what drove him on. So to finish the story, did he drive for Jordan? Yes, we were mates and he came along. He said he wanted to, he could see. At that stage, that was the changing of the fortunes of Jordan. The 77, the 97 car was a particularly good one and uh, should have won some Grand Prix with that. Uh, we won't go into that just now, but 98 was a great car and 99. So there was a little purple patch and Nigel was there and he came to me after Barcelona. He said, listen, EJ, I think time has run out. Uh, I'm in my 40s. I don't want to do that anymore. But this car is a proper car. Good. Yeah, I, I do remember it. Yeah, it would have been, uh, you know, I was a bit of a Nigel fan uh, as a kid. And then to find myself as a test driver at Williams working alongside him. And then in 94, tragically, after uh, the loss of uh, Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna, I ended up sharing the, the car effectively with Nigel. So I did eight races and he, he did the, the other races and then won uh, the final Grand Prix in Adelaide uh, when, when Damon and uh, Michael, Michael came together so uh, it was interesting to be in that situation and we were both considered for the 95 season and I think the only reason why Frank decided to go with me rather than Nigel uh, who was a you know a, a world champion and he'd come back from America where having won the IndyCar championship in his first year was simply that he he, he didn't have the same commitment not on track, but off track. He didn't want to do the tests. You know, he spun off in Hareth and then buggered off back to America to play golf, I think, rather than staying to test the, and develop the car uh, before we went off to the, the final race in, in Japan. So I think a 
already at that stage, he, he just wanted to arrive and drive and therefore I wasn't going to put the hard yards in. You were a creep, really, weren't you? you, you, you uh, yeah, I was teacher's pet. <laughs> I was teacher's pet. I would yeah, do all the, the testing. I mean, it was unbelievable what you used to do to keep that drive of yours. But just fin to finish on Nigel, listeners, do go back and Google Nigel Mantle because having been world champion, to go to America was a huge thing to do. I mean, he was leaving himself wide open to all sorts of things, ridicule, failure, but he had that inner belief he felt he could conquer America and not many others could and did do. You know, Alonso recently went several times to try and win Indy 500. Hamp promise you America is a different set of racing and when you see the ovals and stuff, well done Nigel Mansell because he's been an absolute genius for British motorsport. Yep, yes indeed and happy 70th birthday to him. So we've got one more question here from Mike Cartono and it's a very simple one. Max or Lewis in the same car, who wins? Well, mm, it depends. I think it's only fair. If you're saying the same car, uh, you've got to talk about age at the same age as well and the same level of experience. But well, do you I, think right now uh, Lewis is too old to go head-to-head -head with yes, Max? I think, okay. it's, I think it's over. I don't think it's over. I think he'll still win Grand Prix, but he will need um, certain things to fall into place for him. I think Lewis has emerged in the last couple of races, been very strong, and I'm hugely impressed with what he's doing. But I think Max is at that, you know, just sweet spot for age, experience, belief, knowledge, the people he's been around with the team. He's in a very solid, safe structure. It's going to take some job to, to knock him off that perch. And I think that in the same car, right at this moment, as we speak with the same ages, it has to be Max. Yeah, well, I still reckon Lewis has got it. And I think that they are both exceptional. They're not... Great racing drivers. Get off the fence, David, and tell us what are you going to say? God, look, if they were in the same team, which would never happen, I think there would be some contact. I think there would, it would be sort of prof Senna. Are we, uh, uh, listeners, would, we are going to get an answer to this question very shortly. Look, I've, <laughs> I've got to say that Max is, as you say, uh, he's in that sweet spot, 25 years old, to have done what he's done in his time in Formula One. It's, it's, he's got to have the edge. If it, I think what happens through life, and even if you're very successful, you know you you get baggage with life, don't you? When you're younger, you don't know what you don't know, so you don't worry about what you don't know. As you get older, then you gain experience and you can make better decisions. But all of that very nice baggage that Lewis has to carry just starts to fill up your mind. So you know he's a it would appear to me a busy boy off track with all all of his other. Uh, passions and as we know Max when he's off track is you know very much focused on his simulator uh, his you know his uh, e-gaming team and I think he's still totally immersed in anything to do with driving. Talk about baggage David tell us a little bit about what, what's in your head in terms of old baggage you must have piles of it in there. Uh, I'm, like I'm, well, look, that's a, a good question. What's in someone's head? You know, I'm 52 year old. Um, I am very much focused on living my best life uh, as as I can, and supporting my son Dayton in his pursuit of racing dreams. You know, he would like to be along with several thousand other. Uh, young boys and girls out there, he'd like to be a Formula One driver. So that is in his hands in, in terms of whether he can drive well enough and consistently enough. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm helping support his development. And I'm surprised you're here because he was racing in Scotland yesterday. How did he get on? Uh, I actually 
don't know how oh, he finished shame up. Shame on you. I, I know, I know. But as you know, we had lunch together yesterday. Uh, and very lunch. nice, by the way. I yeah. was very impressed. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and it became a bit of a lunchathon. So by the end of the day, when I could have received that information, I probably wasn't capable of taking it. Well, in. I decided to get out to make sure I could get back and see that football match we talked about earlier in the show, uh, the Chelsea Liverpool game. And I think that was a very opportune moment for me to exit your party because I could see what was happening. There was a vast number of rosés. I don't know, what is a rosé in south of France in summertime? It just seems to go all <laughs> hand in hand. Or in your case, uh, right to your head. But I'm surprised you're here looking so fit and fresh this morning. Yeah, well, I, I did tap out and, and come back to Monaco last night so I could be here in the studio with you. But I don't know if you recall, it's just come back to my mind, actually. We we, we did a, a couple of FaceTime calls to some of your, your old racing friends. So we had Gerhard <laughs> Berger on the phone, we had John Alessi on the phone. We even have Clarkson on the yeah, phone. Yeah, Right, God, yeah. we were really digging into some real serious people here. And we don't need Jeremy Clarkson in the studio, by the way, folks. Oh, okay. Well, I'd, I'd love I to couldn't have cope him. with Clarkson and, and Coulthard, two C's. Oh, my <laughs> God, I would be dead and buried. Formula for Success is brought to you in association with F1 Manager 2023, giving you unparalleled control of the chosen F1 team and a brand new mode that allows you to rewrite the season in your terms. Your legacy begins here. EJ, it seems that a few people out there are listening to our show, so we're stuck together for the long haul. Um, and the producers tell me that we've got some exciting things happening behind the scenes for the podcast. I wish they'd so, tell me then. I know, well... Yeah. <laughs> but you do own the company, I say. <laughs> um, but anyway, listeners, if you uh, get in touch with us, then um, tell us what you like, tell us what you'd like to hear more of. Um, what I'd like to throw something out to, to the listeners, I, I would like them to have a name. You know, we're obviously FFS. Um, but what, what would what would we call the listeners of FFS? So maybe they can send in some suggestions and we'll pick a wee winner in the future. So remember, uh, you can send us questions, comments at FFS at whisper.tv. That's our email address. And you can send us a message on social media at Formula One for Success. Actually, it's not Formula One for Success. It's at F1 for success. Uh, EJ, final thoughts? Um, what's, what else is going on this week? It's nice to have a break, and I think it's important for Formula One to recharge themselves. I, I'm a real, real fan of, of taking time out um, for children when they're away from school and holidays and stuff like that. And I just think that we have too many races. I think it's putting a, a very severe impact on on the physical and mental and all sorts of uh, requirements that, that, that people working in Formula One need to recharge their battery. And I just feel that this is hugely important and I hope they all enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's tougher on the mechanics and engineers than it is the drivers. You know, the it drivers. Now. It used to be the other yeah, way. I think, you know, drivers don't do the testing that we used to do. Um, they are last in, they're first out. But I think, yeah, the mechanics, we're, we're just about to kick off, aren't we? We've got a couple of European races coming up. And then after that, we are on the you know, the long haul of Americas and South America and Japan, Singapore. It, it's a tough end to the season. Well, I would say the mechanics, is, it's more a mechanical side of things. But, but, but the engineers, they're all the time thinking, and let's spare a thought. In the Jordan days, uh, and it's the same for all of the other teams, 
you know, at this stage, I would have split the team into two halves. Um, one half is designing and creating and building and thinking about next year's car because it, the progress, it, never, it just never stops. So we're thinking about the autoclave. We're thinking about putting stuff in a wind tunnel for next year. And let's not lose sight of that because this is where the teams are really, really up against it that they have to perform for next for, for now and for the, just to finish out the season to get the best that they possibly can, but also to think about the future. But um, anyway, David, are we finished? I think that's a good point to wrap this particular show up. So until next time, listeners, EJ, thanks for your time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.